بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على أشرف الأنبياء والمرسلين سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه أجمعين السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته Welcome to another edition of the program Al-Fikr على المذاهب العربعة That is jurisprudence according to the four schools of thought I'm your host Muhammad Musa Bera And with me in the Johannesburg studios Is none other than the Mufti Abdul Qadir Hussain Assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullah Mufti Sab Wa alaykum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh Alhamdulillah for the past few weeks We've been discussing nikah Many different issues of nikah And today we carry on on the subject as well But this time we're discussing custody we start off with the first question. Mufti Sahib, what is the Islamic term for custody? Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Nahmaduhu wa nuswalli ala rasulil kareem. Amma bad. All praise is due to Almighty Allah, the sustainer, nourisher and cherisher of this universe. Peace, blessings and salutations be upon our beloved master and leader, Nabi Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. In Arabic and Islamic terms, we call it Hadana, Ha, Bod, Alif, Noon, and Tamar Buta. And this is derived from the word Hidunun, Ha, Bod, Noon. And that means that your side, or it means your limb, that you bring someone close to your limb, to your body. So that is why this is called Hadana, because you're taking that innocent child and bringing him close to yourself. So that would be the technical meaning, one, uh, the literal meaning one would find in the lexicon. Regarding the technical meaning according to the fuqaha and the jurors of Islam, then we say hadana means that nurturing and taking care of the child for the person who has the right and the right of custody. So that would be the meaning that you have the right of nurturing and training and disciplining the child, obviously caring for everything else that are related issues. Jazakallah Mufti Sahib. When does hadana, that is custody, come into effect? It comes into effect when, and we all know that we're speaking of custody of children, so it would come into effect in two scenarios. One is that Allah forbid a couple are married, and now after one, two, ten years, that uh, the marriage did not work out, the marriage turned sour, the husband then divorces his wife, and now there are minor children involved, one year old, five years old, for example, now who will have the custody of these children because the husband is somewhere else, the wife is somewhere else. So all these are concerns and Islam being the all-embracing, all-encompassing Sharia and code of life has given us guidelines that who will get the custody. So one place where it would become effective is when there is a divorce, the husband is alive, the wife is alive, but they are no more now a married couple. They are strangers to one another and the children, what would happen to them? So as we go along, we'll discuss. The second case would be where the person, for example, the husband passes away. So then what will happen to the custody of the children or the wife passes away? So and it can be anyone. Then what happens to the children? So, or for example, both of them pass away in an accident. And we know so many times we, that we've experienced that in our own lives that we heard of people that either the husband passed away or the wife passed away or both passed away. So Islam has given clear-cut guidelines on what should happen. And if we just look 
and extend by extension that when we discuss what the great scholars and fuqaha have said, then always they are looking at the betterment and the welfare of the child because the child is always innocent and it should not happen that now they lost the child, they lost their father or mother or the husband and wife, the father, mother separated. Now it makes it so traumatic for the children that their future also is totally damaged or the damage is done that is irreparable. So Islam took all that into consideration and brought about solutions that are practical provided that we are we want to practice on it and we are willing to practice. So that is what Islam is telling us that when you say you're a Muslim then we adhere and comply with these commands. Jazakallah Muftisab. Muftisab, we'd like to break this down right now. Muftisab, what do the Shafi scholars say about Havana? Okay, what we will do now is, because this could become a very complex and a complicated issue, we will break it up and take every one of the schools separately. Hafsab, in that I think would be the best way of solving this problem. Let's take two issues for every school. When we study the Shafi'i school, then the Shafi'is tell us that when the parents have divorced, then, for example, and now there is a child there, so whether it is a boy or, or, or whether it's a girl, so the daughter or the son, and once they have reached the age of seven years now. Why did the ulama choose the year, uh, age of seven? Sometimes people ask that question. Nabi alayhi salatu salam has mentioned in Tirmidhi said, Allimuhum in the sab'in. Teach them about salat at the age of seven. It shows when they reach seven, then they can differentiate between right and wrong. They can eat, drink, and lead a life of their own to a great extent. They are not so much now in need of their mother or father in that sense, but that has become now the separating line, the divide line. So that was just to mention someone might ask this question, from where did the seven come about? So the ulama and fuqaha and jurists have taken it from that hadith there. We are not saying that the son or the daughter is totally independent and now must be cut off from the father mother. No, we are just explaining about the age seven. So Imam Shafi rahimahullah says that when we, the son or daughter, now the father mother are divorced, they are strangers to one another, that son or daughter reaches the age of seven, then we will call that boy. Everybody agrees that initially the custody would go to the mother, so it would go to the my wife. Now when she, the child reaches the age of seven, according to Shafi'i whether it's a boy or whether it's a girl, we will call the child, this is your father's son, this is your mother's daughter, so you are now there, you choose who you want to. That is how, according to Imam Shafi'i, rahimahullah, it works. So because Nabi alayhi salatu salam, لِأَنَّ النَّبِيَ صَلَّى اللَّهُ سَمْ خَيَّرَ غُلَامًا بَيْنَ أَبِيهِ وَأُمِّهِ Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa gave a choice to the youngster, the boy, and between his father and mother. And this is mentioned in Tirmidhi on the hadith of Abu Huraira radiallahu anhu. So we understood two things. Imam Shafi'i says, till the age of seven, it will go to the mother. And uh, after that, we'll call both father and mother. And then the child child must decide where he wants to go. So if he wants to go to the father, he goes to the father. If he wants to go to the mother, he goes to the mother. So he must decide. And uh, let's say in the initial years, for example, let's say the mother has passed away. Now what happens in a case like that? Then according to Imam Shafi'i, rahimahullah, first the mother, provided she is able and capable. And if there's no mother, then the maternal grandmother. 
Then if there's no maternal grandmother, we're giving the sequence. Then the paternal grandmother. Then if there's no paternal grandmother, then the sisters of that lady. For example, that lady is insane or she's passed away the mother. So then her sisters. So it shows Islam and the scholars have worked out a proper screening system and that how who will get the custody if the first category is not there, then second category, second one is not there, then third category and so forth and so on. So that is how Imam Shafi works with the custody. Now that we've covered the Shafi'i opinion, what is the Hanafi's opinion on this issue that is Hadana? So regarding the Hanafi school, they say that regarding the age, that obviously the custody would go to the mother, and we are speaking of a mother who is able, capable, pious, and has the welfare of the child, and she has not remarried. If she's remarried to a stranger who's got no truck at all with this child here, then she is disqualified. We will discuss that in detail as well. Now look at Islam. Islam says that the mother would look after the child, but once she remarries, now she's divorced, or her husband has passed away, and uh, you know now she wants to remarry, and what happens is there are innocent children there, two, three, five years old. So in a case like that, she will have the custody at, at, up to the age of seven, but what happens is that certain times she could be disqualified also. We would discuss that in just now. But the point I want to make here is that, that in normal circumstances, the Hanafis say that the mother would get the custody for a boy, the son, her son, up to the age of seven. And for a daughter, she would get the custody up to the age of nine. So somebody might ask, why seven? We gave the hadith, Allimuhum in the sab'in. Why nine? Nine is the earliest age a girl becomes baligha. She becomes mature and attains the age of puberty. So what happens is, now, after all the motherly love in the formative years, now the child requires discipline. The child requires education. So therefore, the Hanafi school says, now the custody will transfer from the mother to the father. So that is the rationale and the thinking of the Hanafi school. So that is why the Hanafi said, said seven years for the uh, son and nine years for the daughter. Now we have to go to the Hanafi table also. That uh, Let's say, for example, the mother is insane or the mother has passed away or the mother is so weak she cannot even look after herself where she can look after the child. So according to Hanafis, the sequence would be first the mother, then the maternal grandmother, the nani, so the maternal grandmother, and then ummul um, then the paternal grandmother, according to Hanafis, then the sister of that wife, that mother there, and then her khala, so it means mother's sisters, so it shows that females are brought, because at that time there, that they require that motherly love, they need a female, and this is something natural, Islam took that into consideration, a child would bond much more in the early stages of his or her life with a female compared to a male, but as they are developing and growing, then they need the male, the authority to discipline them, and nurture them, and their education, so therefore the Hanafi said seven years for a boy by the mother thereafter the father and the father can also be disqualified it's not only the mother so both ways so we will speak of that as I mentioned and in the daughter's case number nine years old then it will be with the mother and after nine it goes to the father so according to Hanafis there will be no choice as such that will be the law if that is the parties are following the Hanafi school
now we move over to the opinion of the Hanbali scholars. What is the opinion of the Hanbali scholar? According to the Hanbali scholars, when we ask them that a boy or a son or a daughter, so they say once the boy, the son, when I use the word boy, it means the son. So once that son reaches the age of seven years old, then we will call that son and call his parents. So the son would be there with the mother from day one or what one year old, four years old till the age of seven. We're speaking the lunar calendar. And thereafter the parents would be called and he then must decide where he wants to go. Does he want to spend his time more with his mother or father? Obviously the thought could go that maybe he says mother and thereafter one year he says not to go to the father. Or vice versa. So he can do that also. He can change after a little while and we take his welfare where he is happy. So that would be the criteria. Okay, so that is according to Imam Ahmad bin Hanbal rahimahullah. But in the case of a daughter, so what does he say? Imam Ahmad bin Hanbal says, no. In case of a daughter, according to Imam Ahmad bin Hanbal, once she reaches the age then of uh, seven, then the father is more deserving and then it must be given to the father. So it shows that according to Imam Ahmad bin Hanbal, in the case of a son, he will have a choice. But case of a daughter, after seven, then it goes to the father because the father must worry about the discipline, the father should worry about the education and so forth and so on. So that is the Hanbali school. And when we look at the table, of the Hanbalis, again we will find mother, then the maternal grandmother the paternal grandmother so it shows that the, the tables are very similar, obviously they could differ afterwards Lastly we'd like to know the views of Imam Malik what does Malik scholar say regarding custody? According to Imam Malik now we are speaking about for example a case of divorce now there are innocent children, masum children there so Imam Malik says in the case of a youngster, the boy, the son, so he will stay there by the mother till the age of bulugh, till the age of puberty. So whether it is 12, whether it is 13, whether it is 14, whatever. And if it is a girl, then according to Imam, Shaf, Imam Malik, rahimahullah, Imam Malik says in case of a boy, the son, it will be till the age of puberty. In case of a daughter, it will be till the age she gets married. So when she gets married at the age of 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, so all that she will remain with the mother. So that is the verdict of Imam uh, Malik, rahimahullah. So much so Imam Malik even said if the mother is a non-Muslim, for example, she's a Jewess or Christian, so even so much. So it shows that Imam Malik rahimahullah has really, you know, made it such that the motherly care must always be there. So I mean, this is ijtihad, this is the greatness of the scholars, that they always looked at the welfare of the daughters or the sons or whatever it is. So why I mention this is that we need to understand the dynamics and the diversity of the scholars in the zamana, in the era they lived in, and they said that this is the best thing, you know. So that is why that we have these different opinions. And when we study the Imam Malik's, the tartib, the sequence, as far as the custody goes, then how will it go? So first the mother, then the maternal grandmother, then the khala. So it shows first the mother, the, the biological mother, then the biological mother, and then after biological the, the biological mother, then the grandmother, that is the maternal grandmother, and then the khala. Khala is the mother's sister. 
Because Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, Al-Khalatu bi manzilatil um. So it shows then the paternal grandfather. So it shows Imam Malik Rahimahullah has differed to a great extent compared to the other jurors on the issue of custody. But he was a giant, there's no question about it. And it was his ijtihad and his great uh, understanding that he passed this verdict. So we respect it. Jazakallah Mufti Sahib. If you just join us, the program is called Al-Fiqh Al-Madahib Al-Arba'ah, that is jurisprudence according to the four schools of thought. And today we're discussing Havana, that is custody of the child. Mufti Sahib, we'd like to know, you mentioned earlier on in the program, when does one get disqualified for custody? In which way does a person get disqualified for custody according to the four schools of thought? What will happen is, according to the four schools of thought, that when a person is given, so this could be male or female, the person is given the right of custody, so it could be the father or the mother or the grandparents, for example. So there are certain things that would disqualify them. Allah forbid, Allah forbid the person became a murtad. So the father is a Muslim and now the custody is given. Yeah, he denounces Islam, becomes an apostate, joins some other religion. He's disqualified. Same thing with the mother also. So they would be disqualified in a case like that. Regarding a kafirah, so according to Imam Ahmad bin Hanbal, Imam Shafi'i rahimahullah, that if the mother is a non-Muslim, then they will be disqualified. Yes, Imam Malik rahimahullah, even Imam Wanifa in one verdict of his, he allows that, that the mother can still get custody. But uh, normally we don't pass the fatwa on that. We say that she will just keep for a little while. And after that, when we know that it will have a negative impact and negativity on the child, then we will try and make some other arrangements. So so that is according to the Hanafis as well. So we discussed that whether one party becomes an apostate or is a non-Muslim, or Allah forbid, where either one of them, the, fa- the father or the mother, the male or the female, are such open fasik fajir that openly they, you know, not interested in the laws of Islam. Let's take two, three examples. Every day the person who has custody is going to the casino, or they are going to brothels, or escort agencies, or they are going to clubs, or they are going to real places of vices. So in cases like that, definitely this is not for the welfare and betterment of the child, so they would be disqualified and the child would be taken away from them. So whether it is male or female in a case like that. Okay, another example would be that where the mother now, she gets married, because Nabi alayhi sallallahu alayhi wa told the lady that anti ahakku bihi ma lam tankihi, that you are more deserving for the child as long as you do not remarry. So it shows Islam is saying that the motherly love is there, but now she gets married to a total stranger. The total stranger got no truck with her child. So there's a great possibility that he would not really look after the child in the better way, in the way that the family would look after. So let's say now the mother remarried and the grandmother is there. So now her rights would be then disqualified and she would no more be eligible. Now the grandmother would be eligible. So you see, these are now the beauty of Islamic conditions. Another one would be, for example, that you have a, a person, take the mother, uh, is saying, okay, I'll look after the child, but you must pay me so much, and you must pay to so much, and so much, and really exorbitant amounts are being asked for, you know, to sort of milk the cow, what we say, and it is just uh, money-making, and there is someone else to look after, 
that will do it gratis or free of charge. So in cases like that, we rather give it to that person there. What's the benefit of giving to that person who just wants to use this for money-making purposes? So it shows where the factor of immorality or the factor of exploiting comes in. So then that person would be disqualified. Jazakallah Muti Sahib. What about the case of visitation rights? What about visitation rights? Excellent question, Sahib. Today, you know, we have, we live in a world where it's so antisocial and where people bear grudges and the revenge becomes Allah forbid the order of the day. Islam has, is divine. This is the beauty of Islam. Islam has not based any law against the human nature provided we can think correctly. Now take husband or father we can call him, wife or mother we can call her, now are separated. Now the child, the custody is gone to the mother. For example, now what is our society tells us today? Our society say, we will fix you up. You will not get visitation rights. And now the child is brought up. Sometimes he or she, the child, does not even know the face of the father. You know what Quran says? Allah has cursed beyond such people. Why? You Instead of making silatul rahim and joining the family ties, you are causing of breaking of ties. Is that child not going to grow up and one day ask you, where is my father? Are other people not going to tell him who is his father? Today, people even go to this extent, I know of several examples, they took their daughter or son, and it is in a mother's custody, and they registered the child on their name. Trying to bring the child up, you are no more, let's say, for example, we just take a name now, that uh, that person's surname is uh, Hussein. Let's just take my surname. So, this. now what happens is, that lady there, Allah forbid, is not a good example, but that lady there, now she went and uh, took the child, because in her custody, and registered the child on her surname. So what are we doing? We're breaking three laws here. Law number one, you're not allowing visitation, number one. That is haram itself. Second one, it is against Quran. Quran says, You must call the children by their biological father's name. You cannot call them by any other name. So that's second. Third, you are deceiving people and deceiving the child. So see, because of our revenge, what crimes, the wrath of Allah we are incurring. So I appeal, and if you study the fuqaha, the jurors, what they have to say, Imam Abu Hanifa, Imam Malik, them, they say, that if the custody is by the mother, she must allow the father visitation rights every day. Whether it is for 15 minutes, half an hour, whatever, you come to a mutual agreement. When the visitation, when the custody is by the father, the father must allow the mother visitation every day. Because they are the parents. And Islam teaches us silatul rahim to join the family ties. Now because we want to fulfill, fulfill our ego, we want to do it on revenge, we want to show a point, our arrogance, all that comes about. I will show you. And what happens? Five years ago, the both families gave their son, gave their daughter, and today they are already not speaking, always on the verge of going to secular courts and kafir courts. The whole family is disintegrated. Do you call that the betterment and welfare of children? Never. So we are falling prey to the shaitan and we're supposed to practice on the way of Rahman and not on the way of shaitan. Jazakallah Mufti Sahib for that explanation. Mufti Sahib, what about in the case 
when both parents pass away in an accident. Yes, we have seen so many examples of this, and to be honest, when I look at them, then it brings, you know, so much emotions in their hearts. We see the grandchildren, they are living now with the grandfather and grandmother, that is the father's side, the husband's side, the dada, daddy, or they are living with the paternal grandparents, and then the son-daughter passed away. And now what happens? We find now people are prepared to go to court. Once you are not going to follow the Islamic system, the same law would apply that I mentioned now. So if the child is, for example, according to Hanafis, is seven years old or is younger than that, then it goes to the mother, the mother's family. If it is more than that, then it goes, in the case of a boy, to the father's family. So even in grandparents it will work like that. So the point here is, or you take Imam Malik's one, that Imam Malik say till the age of Buluq, or Imam Shafi say let them choose. So whichever one you want to apply. But what happens today? We find that today people are going to the kafir courts, to the secular courts. What are we doing? In with our actions, we might not be uttering it, but with our actions we are saying, I do not like what Islam has to offer. Rather, I'm going to go to the man-made law and I'll accept that. So therefore, this is a major crime which we are committing. Jazakallah, Muftisab. Muftisab, who must pay for the expenses of the child? Yes, that's an excellent question. Let's take, for example, uh, uh, this uh, case, you know, we call this case study. Now the, the, the custody is by the mother. So the divorce has taken place. So the child is two, three, four years old. So although the child is staying by the mother, but all expenses must be borne by the father. Now today we have our fathers abdicating their responsibility, shirking their responsibility, and this is absolutely haram. It's your child. And you are not prepared to spend on your own child? Definitely tomorrow in the court of Almighty Allah, you will be taken to task for that. So therefore we need to understand that whatever is our duty, this is a must Allah has made it. So, You as a father, you're responsible for the shelter, you're responsible for the education, you're responsible for the clothing, you're responsible for the food, all that you are responsible. Now, because there's no law enforcement, so now he pays for three, four months, and then he just says, no, no one can touch me. Or they call, they lie, they transfer all their assets away, and then he says, go to court and say, I don't have any income. Who are we fooling? We fool no one else but ourselves. So that is why we have in Islam the golden, the beauty of Islam. It's not only laws. Allah says, ask your conscience also. Does your conscience allow it? It is your child, but you are not prepared to give a cent. I mean, a person like that, really in an Islamic situation, will be punished severely. Jazakallah Muftisab for those pearls of wisdom and Jazakallah to you the listener for tuning into the program Al-Fiqh al-Madhahib al-Arba'ah that is jurisprudence according to the four schools of thought May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give one and all the tawfiq and hidayah to make amal upon what has been said and also pass it on to others From myself Muhammad Musabira, Mufti Abdul Qadir Hussain It's Fi Amanillah Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh